0: Airbooks Books presents Ending Samsara, written by J.W. Voice and read by Daisy Ray. Part 1, Chapter 8, A Disobedient Dealer. Okay, I'm sitting with my friend Faisal here and he's asking if you want the lemon haze or something called the Zach heard Tom muttering unintelligibly away from the phone. Something called OG Kush? The Aussie thought on this for a moment. Um go with the haze. Okay, fine, four um ounces, did you say? Zack could hear that Tom was flustered. Make it six. Sorry, Faisal, Zack heard his manager mumbling. Excuse me for a moment. There was a mild rustling on the line, and Tom said nothing for thirty seconds or so. Zack gathered that he was walking away from the dealer. Dude. Tom said in a much lower voice, almost a whisper. I don't feel comfortable with this. What do you mean? I mean I don't feel comfortable buying this quantity of drugs for you. This isn't California. I could get in serious trouble over here. Oh, come on. It's only a bit of weed. You've done this for me before. No, I've never bought this much. It's illegal over here. I've never toured in the UK for this long. He attempted to sound breezy, but internally was thinking, don't you dare pussy out. I'm not asking you for hard stuff, mate. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Can't you just wait until Amsterdam? It's legal there. Until Amsterdam? Not bloody likely. That's not for weeks. Look, it's personal use. Worst case scenario, a copper might take it off you. Or maybe give you a fine. How much even is six ounces? Not that much. It could fit nicely in that satchel I gave you. Who's going to expect you anyway? You tie-wearing ponce, Zack laughed. Tom didn't appear to see the funny side. Fine, he said. Excellent. See you in an hour or so. I suppose so. Zack hung up. He felt a satisfying ripple of cracks as he stretched his arms over his head, content that the first order of business was taken care of. He pushed himself off his bed, tutting to himself as he thought back to Tom's suggestion of waiting until Amsterdam. He had over a dozen more shows to do in the UK. The idea that he could abstain for that period of time and perform at his best was laughable. He felt fresh today. Last night had been tame. Just a few light beers after he got off the plane. He tried to think of the last time he'd been in London. It was at least two years ago. His following in the UK was huge. Not quite as resounding as in the US, but significantly greater than his homeland. This fact irritated him beyond all measure. His publicist told him it was simply because the population of Australia was so much smaller than the UK. But he didn't fully buy it. The final leg of the tour back in Oz would only see him play one stadium, four arenas and, disappointingly, four measly concert halls in between. How the hell do I go from serenading 60,000 bloody pums in the arse end of the fuck Gears to 3,000 in my own bloody backyard? He'd asked at the time. Zach. Rock music is just more popular in Britain, he'd been told. Then how on earth were full throttle playing Melbourne Cricket Ground in July? No one could provide him with an acceptable answer to this. The conversation had taken place two months ago during his pre-tour in LA, and that night he'd ingested so much speed and blow that he'd needed to have his stomach pumped. He'd apparently called Hams in a fit of hysterics, and she'd promptly called the emergency services, Certainly not the first time she'd saved his skin. Tom and Val had thought it was a cry for help. Just before the tour, they'd attempted to arrange therapy sessions and chats with so-called suicide prevention specialists. If they knew him at all, they'd have recognised it as nothing close to an attempt on his life. Getting completely off his face was simply his best method of dealing with adversity, the only coping mechanism he'd found to be of any use. He never thought of himself as being a particularly complex individual. Hamster seemed to get this. She didn't try to sugarcoat things like all the other yes-men. Why do you care that you're not as popular back home, she'd asked him. The truth of it was that everyone in Australia had doubted him when he'd started up. Even after making it big, he'd been labelled grandiose and pretentious by the Aussie press. He remembered visiting his parents after his band's first album went platinum. His dad was reading one of the national broadsheets' Look, son, This article is about you, he'd pointed out. The way the old man's face had dropped as he read on remained forever etched in Zach's subconscious. His father died not long after, before Zach Hedonis had become a household name. The string of Grammys and quadruple platinum albums he'd received since could never erase that memory. Although greater recognition back home might provide him with some form of vindication, he'd trade it away in a heartbeat for a word of praise from his dearly departed dad. Fortunately, the fallout from abandoning the opening show of his tour had all but dissipated now. He received the vocal modulator before setting off for show number two, and the performance generated positive reviews. His PR team issued an apology for the cancellation and he reluctantly agreed to reschedule the date to his third leg in the US. At 38 years old, Zack found he had started to develop a love-hate relationship with touring, and indeed the rock star lifestyle in general. There was a crippling monotony to the recurring agenda of playing a show, getting contemptibly inebriated, and the cavalcade of empty sexual encounters plotted in between, a diverse and alluring array of backdrops, barely held any significance. They all seemed to blur and blend into one prolonged, debauched, and almost identical experience. He understood why so many of his idols either died from overdoses or overcorrected by surrendering themselves to some religious dogma or a higher power. He was not quite at this point yet. Although his predilection for partying was waning, he was at least thankful to still be inspired by the music. Knowing that his newest songs had received a more than favourable reception instilled him with joy and relief. Travelling as a solo act was the driving factor of his discontent. While he'd encountered considerably more success since going it alone, he couldn't help but miss the camaraderie of touring with a group of like-minded and creative contemporaries. The interchangeable group of musicians that accompanied him now were absolutely no consolation. He could feel the resentment emanating from them in both the rehearsals and the shows, and they were anonymous for the rest of it. He could have taken them to bars or restaurants in an attempt to bond, like he'd done in Chicago with his support act Spirit Inferno, but there was an implicit employer-employee dynamic with his own touring band. Trying to downplay this seemed somehow disingenuous or forced as much as he enjoyed giving the man a hard time. His manager, Tom, was presently the closest thing he had to a friend. Once he'd eaten breakfast, brushed his teeth, and trolled listlessly through social media. He forced out a laboured workout. Several rounds of pull-ups and other bodyweight exercises interrupted with intense bouts of topless staring in the mirror. He methodically parted his thick, dirty blonde hair in search of greys and found several. His eyes were still a vivid green, but he studied the fine lines around them with a mournful revulsion. He tensed his chest and stomach muscles. Only a week in, he was worried he'd already started to lose definition. Years ago, he encountered a group of pro wrestlers at a nightclub. Discovering that some of their dates coincided, they invited him to hang out with them in the midst of his US tour. As well as continually ribbing them for their profession, asserting that they were glorified soap actors, he also derided them for not looking nearly as impressive as they did on their posters. "'What happened to the abs, mate?' he'd asked one of them outright, calling it false advertising. They shrugged off his criticism, saying that it was inevitable on the road. Now on the wrong side of 35, he was starting to find that there was some truth to the defence. No more beer, he decided, tensing once more at his reflection. Stick to neat whiskey. <laughs> After downing a protein shake, showering and getting dressed, he checked the time. It was now 2pm. There was no show scheduled for the evening, on the assumption he'd be too jet like. To break the monotony, Tom and Val had arranged several meetings with the British press. He'd recognised long ago that these interactions were what you made of them, He decided to loosen up with a few glasses of bourbon. The intention was to be tipsy rather than totally smashed, witty rather than downright abhorrent. He filled a large glass with ice and grabbed a bottle of the aged whiskey, the quality of which was admittedly wasted on him, and placed them on the coffee table in front of his sofa. He then picked up his acoustic guitar and started softly jamming. He saw off his first glass within ten minutes, wincing as he did so. Where the bloody hell is Tom with that weed, he thought. His manager had linked up with the suggested contact sometime before ten in the morning. It surely shouldn't have taken him this long. Zack shrugged this off, considering that he'd probably been caught up in some remedial task en route. He never liked to ask the man about his dreary details of his day-to-day. By the time Zack had finished his fourth bourbon, which was becoming smoother by the mouthful, he made the call. The phone rang out, eventually cutting to answer phone. Zack cursed. He best not have chickened out. Feeling rather mellow and not particularly craving a smoke, he decided to leave the matter alone. If the coward had got cold feet, he could be confronted about it later. It was then that he heard a knock on the door. Zack continued picking away on his guitar. Come in, he yelled. Val entered looking sheepish. "Sup." Zack said, not bothering to look up from his fretboard. "'Sorry to disturb you during your downtime, Zack, but I'm afraid I've received some rather distressing news.' "'What's that then?' he continued playing. "'It's about Tom.' "'What's the stupid tosser done now?' he said with a grin. "'Don't tell me he's got on the wrong tube and ended up in Kent.' Val was not smiling. In fact, she looked like all the colour had drained from her face. "'No, um, actually, Tom's been arrested.' Zack let off a discordant note. You're joking. He, um... He was caught in a cafe with several ounces of cannabis in his possession. Crikey! Did they not just give him a fine? No. Val was tugging the bracelet on her wrist. He was cuffed and taken to a station a few hours ago. Shit! Zack clenched his jaw, finally placing the guitar down. Go on, how much to bail the poor sod out, then? Yeah, it's not that simple, actually. They're saying they want to charge him with intent to supply. Zack's eyes widened. they take him the piss. Did he not tell them who he was? Yeah, pretty sure he did. He also tried to tell them it was for personal use, but apparently the weed was all divided into dozens of individual bags. Morons, he thought, scorning the unknown dealer. So now what? That's where it all gets a little cloudy. Um. Per your instructions, the lawyer isn't with us, so we've told Tom not to answer any more questions until we find him one. This is ridiculous. It's just a bit of harmless weed. He looked at Val properly for the first time. Her eyes were red and watery. Jesus, have you been crying, love? Val slumped onto the sofa like her legs had given way beneath her. Oh, Zach, she snorted before making a couple of short sobbing noises. What are we going to do? "'Tom is such a sweetheart. He doesn't deserve this.' Zack looked particularly outside his comfort zone. "'There, there, love. Don't fret.' He gave her a couple of half-hearted pats on the back. Slightly disgusted with himself, he considered that forlorn, weeping Val was quite attractive to him. He'd thought she was pretty when he met her. It was one of the reasons he'd given her the job. But he'd thereafter found her to be a little too buttoned down and goody-goody for his liking.' Faced with this display of vulnerability, he suddenly found himself wondering what she looked like naked. She moved in a little closer to him and he caught a whiff of her hair. It smelled like coconut. Don't worry, he said, his arm now tight around her back. We'll get him out. She continued quietly sobbing into his chest for a few seconds before he sensed their faces starting to align as if gently pulled by invisible strings. Don't do this, you prat, a voice asserted from somewhere in the back of his mind. This could only lead to bad things. The bourbon was perhaps the driving force behind the next voice, though. Sod it, this one said. He leant in and started kissing her. She immediately reciprocated. This was not as surprising as it might have been. Her shyness in his presence seemed to indicate that she had the hots for him. They writhed on the sofa and he felt the wetness of her tears on his own face. Within seconds, they were naked. Seconds after that, he was on top of her. Then, rather disappointingly, no more than five minutes later, it was all over. The post-climactic remorse with which he was intimately acquainted set in almost instantaneously. Rather abruptly, he pushed off the sofa and pulled his boxer shorts back on. To match his guilt, the air was punctuated with a tense, deafening silence. We, um, got a bit carried away there, he said desperate to break it. She started scrambling for her own clothes. He picked up her bra and handed it to her. As soon as this was on, she started crying again. Although, juxtaposed with the quiet sobbing, she was wailing loudly this time. Oh Christ, he thought. It's all right, love. Just lapsing judgment. He was standing over her, but unable to make eye contact. It won't affect our working relationship or anything. "'It's not that,' Val managed to blurt in the midst of her blubbering. "'Tom and I, we kind of seeing each other.' "'Oh,' Zack was taken aback. She managed to regain some of her composure. "'I mean, you fantasise about something since you're a teenager. "'You're fricking heading for God's sake!' Zack suppressed a smirk, unable to overcome the smugness of being spoken about with such reverence. "'Val leant forward, her head in her hands.' And now that it's happened, all I can think about is how much I like Tom and how stupid I feel for messing it up. Zack frowned. I see. He paused and let his ego take the hit. Well, like I said, it was just a silly mistake. There's no reason this has to mess anything up. Listen, go use my dunny. Get yourself cleaned up. I'm going to try and straighten out this weed nonsense with Tom. Val nodded. She gathered the rest of her clothes and walked to the bathroom while Zack picked up his phone. He scrolled through his contacts before, briefly glimpsing his half-naked figure in the mirror. Although there were cheaper people on the payroll to deal with situations like Tom's, the Aussie decided to break out the big guns. He immediately found a number labelled Cy si the Shark, his brilliant and suitably extortionate personal lawyer. After listening to the elongated international dial tones, the call was answered. Hi there, Zach. All right, Sy. Si? You busy? Well, actually, yes, I'm rather in the middle of something. Where are you? I'm currently in Barbados. Okay, I'm going to need you on the first plane over to London, mate. Sai exhaled heavily into the phone. What have you done now? We can discuss that later. Right now, you need to cut your holiday short and get over here. I'm not on holiday, Zach. I'm actually with another client. Well, speaking as your number one cash cow, I'm telling you to put them on hold and come to merry old England. I wish I could, but my guy, the hotelier, is in a bit of trouble here. I can't just... Look, whatever it costs for you to take a break there and come sort this shit out, I'll pay it. You'll be back on the beach sipping pina coladas before you know it. I'd love to help you, Zach, but my client's in a real bind. All his accounts are frozen. He very much needs me here to unfreeze them. No disrespect, mate, but I couldn't give a toss about your hotel, chum. Can you get here by tomorrow or not? The line went silent. Zack's lawyer let out a sigh. I suppose his issues will still be here in a day or two. Got to tell you, though, Zach, this isn't going to be cheap. Yeah, yeah, you can discuss all that with the accountant. Val emerged from the bathroom just as he hung up the call. Good news, love, he said to her. The head vulture is on the next plane over from Barbados to straighten all this out. Her eyes lit up. Oh, Good. The comment seemed to register with a... "'Wait, you're using sigh. "'Yeah, thought it was the least I could do under the circumstances. Tommy boy is going to have to spend an evening at her majesty's pleasure, though, I'm afraid.' "'Okay,' she nodded. "'Thank you so much, Zack.' She lunged forward to hug him. "'Steady on, Sheila. Let's not go down that road again.' Zack broke the embrace. "'Yes, sorry.' She straightened up, right, you're needed over at the BBC at five, I'll leave you to get ready. To Zack, getting ready meant sinking another couple of bourbons and applying a trace amount of eyeliner. Claude and Jerome arrived soon after and ushered him into a black BMW. Neither American had accompanied him to England before. Zack had been told his rising fame had prompted to step up in security. In truth, Tom had suggested it, fearing a riot if another date was cancelled. He was thankful for the relaxed culture of the UK talk shows. When he eventually entered the studio, he was handed another whiskey to drink during the interview. A part of him was unsettled by Tom's absence. He felt like a child expected to behave without adult supervision. How are you doing, Zach? The pretty female host said as he found his seat on somewhat unsteady legs. I'm Jasmine. He leaned in and kissed her on both cheeks, sensing her blush. All the better to see you, Petal. I'm Bernard, interjected the male host, nice to meet ya. He reached over to forcibly shake the man's hand. Pleasure to meet you, son. Bernard promptly withdrew. Quite a grip you've got there. Zack chuckled. Sorry, mate, few drinks and I forget my own strength. So what's the crack? I'm a bit jet lagged, but are we post watershed? I'm allowed to swear, right? Bernard's eyes darted towards his colleague. Relax, Bernie boy. I'm just messing with you. Bernard laughed. Oh, thank God. Zack suddenly noticed the rather large woman to his right. Crikey, and who might you be, love? He gestured at the woman's ample bosom. Careful with those things, he said. You might take my eye out. The woman shot the host a look. I'm Elspeth, the physics correspondent. Her tone was flat and dry. Zack peered around the room. Geez, Louise, this is a highbrow affair. I hope there isn't a quiz. I flunked physics in school. "'Okay, guys,' Jasmine said, touching her earpiece. "'We're live in three, two, one.' The rich, upbeat arrangement of the show's theme tune filled the air. Zack took a large glug of his drink and pointed at one of the slightly on-edge-looking assistants in the background. "'One more,' he mouthed with a nod and a wink. "'Good evening, ladies and gentlemen,' Bernard said cheerily to his camera. "'Welcome to One Nation.' We have a very special guest with us this evening, multiple Grammy winner, Zach Hedonis, everyone. The small studio audience applauded. Zach, hello, Jasmine said when the clapping died down. We know you're in the midst of a massive world tour at the moment, so we really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Oh, don't mention it, love. You know, I really consider the UK to be my second home. She laughed. That's lovely. Do you really mean that? "'Of course. Great music scene. Beautiful women!' He grinned at her flirtatiously and raised his glass. "'Keep these coming and I might never leave.' Jasmine blushed. "'Right now, this tour you're currently on. It didn't get off to the best of starts, did it? Would you care to tell us a bit about that?' "'Oh, now there's no need to linger on the past, but let's just say there was a bit of a cock-up in Chicago.' He looked straight into one of the cameras. Cracky, can I say that at this time of night? Cock? A titter of laughter emanated from the audience. Sorry about that, folks, Jasmine said to them. She turned back to Zack with a mild look of condemnation. Zack, we were promised you'd behave for us. Zack grinned. I'm sorry, love. You'll have to have a word with me backstage. He gave her a wink unseen by the cameras. This tour, Bernard interjected, maintaining his professionalism. It marks a rather special occasion, ten years since the release of your first solo album. Very astute of you, Bernie. And that's right, ten years last Wednesday by my calculations. I've got a small confession to make, Bernard said with a smile. That album was the first one I ever bought with my own money. I believe I'd just started a paper round at the time. Christ, Bernie, you're making me feel old. Jasmine laughed and Bernard raised a hand. I'm sorry, he said. It's okay, I'll forgive you. You're a dark horse, though. Never would have pegged you as a fan. Seriously, I still listen to it at the gym whenever I need a bit of drive. Revs me right up. Ah, amphetamines do it the trick for me, Zack said. A couple of audience members chuckled at this. Jasmine glared at her partner. Right, well, from getting physical to physics, Elspeth Jones has had a busy few days at the Large Hadron Collider down at CERN. Let's see what she's been up to there. Okay, cut there, guys, Yelled held a stagehand. Zach was still smirking to himself about the amphetamine comment when the girl approached him with a fresh whiskey on the rocks. Tarlov, he said. She frowned at him before walking away. Val was at his side a moment later. Okay, Zack. the production team are becoming a little concerned. Do you mind slowing down with the alcohol a little bit? why? I haven't sworn, have I? I thought that went well. You're doing fine. Just remember it's still early though and this is a family show. Can you please watch the drug references? Yeah, sorry love, I'll be good. Thank you. Val disappeared from shot and Zack drew his attention to the VT of Elspeth. This show is a real mishmash, ain't it? He turned to Jasmine to say. We prefer eclectic, she said. Perhaps it was because of the substantial amount of whiskey in his system, but Zack had some difficulty following the video on the screens. The technical language seemed at odds with the primetime family show. When it finished, they were counted back in and the attention was focused on the woman beside him. "'Blimey, love,' Zack said loudly. "'Boobs and brains, your fella must be one lucky man.' Once more laughter rose from the audience. Elspeth seemed lost for words. A scornful look from both of the hosts made Zack raise his hands apologetically. "'I'm sorry, folks. Was that inappropriate?' "'You carry on, chick. I'll keep my thoughts to myself for a moment.' He crossed his legs and settled back into the sofa. "'Perhaps that's for the best,' Elspeth said dryly. The audience tittered and she discussed her segment with Bernard. Zack didn't even attempt to follow what was said. He was somewhat taken aback when Jasmine tried to include him in the conversation.' You know, he replied, while you were talking, I was unsuccessfully trying to find that elusive Higgs boson. No wonder it took one of your poms so long to find it. More chuckling ensued in the studio. Cheap laughs were all he could cling to in such a situation. Okay, Zach, Jasmine said, regarding him like a disobedient child. Back to music. All right, now you're talking my language. She introduced another guest to the sofa, a young woman named Chen. Bernard announced that Chen was one of the best Zuzaphone players in the world. She thankfully switched places with Elspeth and they played a short VT. Zach's interest was piqued when he noticed that the instrument was set up on the stage to his left. Chen is going to play a little for us today, Bernard said as he walked her over to the instrument. Chen proceeded to play a minute or so of Baxter Carter in D minor, the impressive instrument coupled buzzing electronic tones with startling flashes of lightning from what was essentially a Tesla coil. She finished playing and received an energetic applause. Zack stood up and whistled. Did you enjoy that, Zack? Jasmine asked him. Yeah, great stuff, he said, still clapping. Good on you, Chen. Thanks, the woman replied demurely. Where I'm from, we call that a theremin. I've actually had a bash on them a few times myself. The camera panned back to the stage. "'Oh, really?' Bernard replied. "'Fancy a go, Zach?' The studio audience cheered in approval. "'Oh, I don't know about that. I'm a bit rusty,' Zack laughed. "'What do you think, Jen?' She smiled and beckoned him over. Zack rolled up his sleeves as he took to the stage. "'Right, bear with me, folks.' He tampered with the controls, emitting a couple of loud discordant blasts and bolts of light. "'Right, how about a bit of Bohemian Rhapsody?' The audience cheered. This transformed into laughter as he played the first few notes. He continued on with the tune, relieved to find that, although not perfect, it was at least recognisable. The odd error here or there seemed to go unnoticed by everyone in the studio. They were all on their feet by the end, roaring appreciatively. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for, Jasmine said as the camera refocused on her. She smiled but I see no better way to end than that. Thank you to our guests, Elspeth, Chen and Zach. We'll see you the same time tomorrow. The audience remained on their feet to applaud as the theme tune blared in the background. Three, two, one, and that's a wrap, guys, yelled the producer. The stage cleared and Val rushed over to him. Zach, that was brilliant. Social media is going mad. Cheers. Zach smiled, his eyes lingering on something behind the cameras that Jasmine chick. Do you know if she's single? Val looked at him uncertainly. Never mind, love, I'll find out. If you'd like to learn more about JW Voice, the author of this story, pop along to the show notes where you'll find a link to him right there. And as for Bear Book's podcast, we're on all your favourite social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you on the next episode.